0: Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
2: back in on another episode of Brewcast. This is going to be a big episode with some big news. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Brew and Chris Castellani. Guys, how you doing? Hope you had a great Christmas and New Year. Uh, you know, obviously Michigan, hopefully Michigan, the football team and the bowl game didn't ruin your New Year for you. But uh, good to be back with you guys. A lot to discuss here today, obviously, with the big news coming on at Ann Arbor.
3: Yeah, I'm. I feel like I'm still kind of getting over like the holiday hangover. Uh, Monday was kind of the first, you know, first day back for everyone to work and things like that. And like work doesn't stop for like us or anything like that. But um, a return to normalcy and not like binge eating and binge drinking every day or every other day is. I'm I'm cool with that. So, I um, you know it's been it's been a while since the bowl game. We didn't have a show last week. Listen, like I'll be honest with you. There's nothing that we could have said about that bowl game that we hadn't said on a show four or five weeks before when they showed their asses to the world when they played Ohio State. It's everything that we feared would happen did. Um, so it is what it is. I mean, it's I'm only interested in talking about what they do moving forward. And obviously, uh, the big news of Monday is is going to be a big part of what they do wind up doing moving forward. So uh, excited to be back. Excited to this is the first time all three of us have been here. It feels like in what three or four weeks?
1: So, yeah, close to a month.
3: Yeah, it's been a while, so it's good to be back. Uh, I don't know how things are going to change with us now that football. Well, football will officially be over. We're recording before the national title game, uh, but college football will be done for whatever nine months uh, after we record this show. So I don't know how things are going to change with us. We'll have stuff to do. We'll we'll adjust. Uh, but uh, yeah, excited to be back. Excited to. Uh, Talk about all the fun and positive things that are going on in the, with the Michigan football program, and with some basketball mixed in for good measure.
1: Of course, yeah, it's it's weird how the you said we're gonna have you know no college football for nine months, but especially uh, around Ann Arbor and especially on Mason Bruce' site, um, there there is no offseason. I mean, I mean, this Michigan season ended uh just over a week ago and we already got uh some big news to talk about uh and it doesn't even involve any of the players that involves the coaching staff so we're gonna have plenty to talk about in the new year I'm not uh, I'm not too worried about that
2: well let's jump right into it then the big news coming out of Ann Arbor today uh came as a shock to me but uh Greg Madison leaving the program, he's going to be headed over to or down to Columbus, I should say, and he's going to be taking over for Greg Schiano as the defensive coordinator for Ryan's Ryan Day staff at Ohio State and uh this is a bit of news that that does come as a big shock and I've seen some mixed reviews actually from both sides, both Michigan fans and Ohio State fans, but when it comes down to it, I I mean, my personal opinion on the thing is that he's recruited well. He's developed very well. A lot of Michigan defensive linemen under him. The guys he's recruited and developed have gone on and uh, played in the NFL and are currently playing in the NFL right now. He's done a, a good job at that position. But um, like I've seen some people point out against Ohio State and against Florida, the defensive line, you know, showed a little something uh, to be desired. So wh- what are you guys thinking on this with Greg Madison going to Ohio State?
3: Weird as hell, right? Like we, this came, this is, you know, you always hear the term, oh, this hire came out of left field. This was like as far out of, like, this was, this came out of the peanut vendor in left field. Like I, I did not expect to see this at all. Like I, I, I know there are conflicting reports out there. Did his was his contract expiring? Was Michigan say they weren't going to bring him back? I mean, depending on who you talk to, like Sam Webb uh, says that the reports of his contract expiring were false. I believe that's what he said on it, anyways. I kind of tend to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's as locked in as it gets. But like that's that's a weird hire, and it's not like. And here is the thing, and this was my immediate takeaway. I kind of I don't want to say I shrugged my shoulders over it, but it's one of those things where, for as many questions as we we have about the direction of Michigan football and how Jim Harbaugh has run his program and how the, they coach in games, the one thing that I don't question with him. That I think he has a pretty proven track record at this point. Is hiring assistants. I mean, every time they've they've needed to hire or replace a guy, they've done a pretty good job with that. Um, you know, first example that was, you know, you go from DJ Durkin to Don Brown, and I know Don Brown's star is kind of fainting in Ann Arbor right now, but um, not a hot take to say that was an upgrade. Now the concern here is that, you know, everyone had always said it, and we all kind of laugh it off because it's, you know, Harbaugh gets a lot of unfair criticism and a lot of takes thrown his way. Cause he's a polarizing guy. People like to throw a lot of shit at the wall when it comes to him, but we've always heard the take. Does he grind people around him? Like to the point where they just leave. And like, I don't want to say that this is an example of that. I certainly think there's a little bit of a, you know, there's definitely a bit of a middle finger raised here, uh, from going to Michigan to Ohio state. Uh, at the same time you look at it and I believe this is the 11th assistant that's left the staff since he took the job four years ago. So like, and I know a lot of those guys, they, you know, a couple guys went to the NFL, a couple guys got better jobs elsewhere. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where success breeds people wanting your guys, but at the same time, like losing, losing a guy like that, a, a good recruiter, someone who's, you know, defensive line wasn't as good this year, but, um, someone who's performed pretty well in his role. it's it's I was pretty surprised. I think a lot of people, not to get too long winded here because you know I want to give you guys time to talk too, obviously, but if he, if he had gone anywhere else, I think a lot of people would just kind of shrug this off. but the fact that it was Ohio State, it's it is salt in the wound, especially uh, you know considering how how the season ended and what's going on there. But I'll say this on the flip side, I don't think Ohio state people are all that happy about this because now this isn't re- like you go from urban Meyer to Ryan day, not a hot take to say there's going to be a drop off there. He's still probably gonna be pretty good. Cause it's, you know, they have a great program. Seems like a good and capable coach. There's a drop off there. And then now you go from, you know, Alex Grinch, Greg Shiano to Greg Madison. And uh, I forget who the other, I, the guy who they hired, uh, the name escapes me. He's coming from the 49ers in some sort of role. So I, I feel like the coaching moves that Ohio state has made, they've kind of downgraded themselves there too. So it's, I don't know. It's a really weird scenario. And I'm seeing a lot of people kind of kick Madison on the way out the door, but if it's true that his contract expired, what <laughs> he took, a he took a probably a higher paying job mm-hmm. and a job with more status than he would have had in Ann Arbor. So I don't know. It kind of is what it is there. Uh,
1: that's why I can't like, I, Can't even bring myself to get angry about this. I mean, of all, partially because of all the things that have been going on in this program over the last couple months. uh, Of all the things to get angry about, to me, this isn't one of them. Uh, You know, I'm, uh, I'm more pissed off about what happened in the last two games of the season. Uh, I I feel like I should be more upset by this, and the only reason, uh, the biggest reason why this is so surprising is because. When the Hoke era mercifully came to an end and everyone wanted Michigan to clean house, except the one guy that even the fans were saying, you know what? I kind of wish they'd keep him around was Madison. Uh, He was kind of the the one bright spot as far as the coaches are concerned. Everyone else, uh, the fans wanted gone and understandably so. Madison did a pretty good job with the defense. And they obviously didn't keep him around as a D coordinator, but they kept him on the staff and uh, it seemed like and this is an overused term and I hate to use it here, but I think it's it it fits. It seemed like Greg Madison was kind of fit to be a quote-unquote Michigan man. You know, he he was fine uh taking a lesser position at the university under Harbaugh. He just wanted to coach there. It seemed like everything was peachy. And after a couple years, uh, he not only leaves, but he goes to their biggest rival. It, it is very surprising. I think uh, you brought this up a little bit too, Ant, where, where you said it, it's surprising on Ohio State's end too. I'm surprised. And I know Ohio State's defense struggled mightily this year, but uh, I mean, Greg Schiano was a, a, a very highly sought after coordinator. I mean, people looked at that as a big hire when Ohio State got him. Uh, i I was a bit surprised that they let him go and uh i, I think i'm um, I don't know if it's that much of an upgrade uh now who who knows about what Madison's contract was um but when you look at it, let's say the contract had expired um no, people are gonna get upset by this, but you're insane if you don't believe it's true. He took a better spot. He took a better job. This happens all the time. Now, is it weird going from uh Michigan to Ohio State? Absolutely, it is. Every time, I mean, just ask. <laughs> I mean, Andrew Dachic was like the eighth guy off the bench, and he got booed out of Chrysler Arena when he came uh when he came there one time last year. So it, it's uh people always get upset when that happens, but. Like you said, I, I I don't question Harbaugh's ability to hire capable or qualified assistants. That has not been the issue up to this point. At least we don't think so. So it's it's surprising news. I know a lot of uh, fans aren't happy about it. I know a lot of the players aren't happy about it, and that's understandable. But um, you know, the, it's not going to change what happens. So that, that's kind of all I have to say right. about it.
2: I do want to talk about kind of the players' reaction. We've seen them react on Twitter a little bit here today, reacting to the news and whatnot. But uh, going back to, you know, the part where Greg Madison, is, he is leave. this is not a lateral move. This is an upgrade. This is a promotion on a very good staff. Obviously, Ohio State's beaten Michigan, you know, every year since 2013. So the, this is an upgrade for Greg Madison. The, the thing that, you know – I've always heard about Greg Madison because he was a defensive coordinator under Brady Hoke is that he didn't want to be a defensive coordinator anymore. And even um, this tweet coming from Cody Stavenhagen of the athletic, he tweeted out that Greg Madison's son on December 17th said, quote, nowadays, there isn't a whole lot of loyalty in the business. I think he's the exception. I think he's loyal to Michigan End quote, and, and that shows you what the, what the business side of this whole thing is, but, It just seems odd considering all we've ever heard from Madison and company and and the people surrounding the program is that Greg Madison didn't want to be a defensive coordinator. He was very happy being a defensive line coach. And now all of a sudden he is leaving Michigan and he is going to Michigan's biggest rival. I think there's something to that, you know, that, that we don't really see behind the season. Anthony, I think you pointed it out a little bit. Is that, you know, we've heard this about Jim Harbaugh that he can grind people down. And we don't know if there's any animosity between um, Greg Madison, Don Brown, Jim Harbaugh, and the coaching staff or anything like that. But I do know one thing if you are the players on this Michigan team, you have to feel betrayed. You have to, because you are ingrained from the day you step on campus to absolutely just despise Ohio State and everything pretty much that they stand for. You know, you despise the scarlet and gray and all of a sudden you know your position coach your coach that you talk to and see every day he goes to that biggest rival and and I saw some of the reactions you know you had Tariq Black tweet out the Kevin Durant thing you know you had um Josh Metellus uh tweeting out the facepalm and whatnot the player reactions were of that it, it seems like they kind of feel betrayed here what you Would you guys see on that
3: yeah I mean I, I certainly I get that because it's at this point Madison's been here what 8 years now and and he was here in the 90s too. Uh, now a lot of the I saw this stat tweeted out a lot. The last time that Madison left Michigan uh, in the 90s, they won the national title the next year. So Mark oh, we'll <laughs> it out down. For that. You,
2: you better go to Vegas, Anthony. Put it down.
3: I don't I don't think so. Um <laughs> God. Um yeah, I mean I would feel betrayed. I mean like, like I said, any other job, I think guys would understand. Like, I know there's a lot of semantical things going on right now in terms of like, well, they they said they were going to renew his contract, or, you know, did he have an expiring contract? I, I would tend to. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle that his contract was probably expiring, and and maybe I'm just speculating here. Maybe he felt burnt out, and um, that's worth mentioning too. Like, I know that he doesn't want to. We've seen the reports that he doesn't want to coordinate a defense again, but he's a co- he's going to be a co defensive coordinator, so it's going to be kind of a shared uh, ordeal uh, down there in Columbus. So um, it's ju- it's just so weird, man. Like I get it if you're the players, like of course he's yeah. a, he's a he's a guy that's been there for that predates you know the seniors and all those guys. Like he's been there before that, so it, it's really strange. And I don't know if there was some kind of uh, I don't know. If there's some some kind of Bad blood there, or something went down in the aftermath of the season. Um, it's really strange. I mean, this is—I know we've, we've had quite a few like coaching changes that we've talked about now. We said eleven guys have kind of been in and out last four years here, but this is the weirdest one to me. Like this is even weirder than when Dan Enos like got a job and was here for like a whole eight days. Like this is <laughs> this is really strange to me. Uh, but at the same time, like I said before, I kind of stand by my point where let's look at it now. Let's look at it as sort of like a trade here. Now, if we, if we're looking at it as Ed Warner for Greg Madison, straight up, I know Warner hadn't been there in a few years, but um, I'm pretty confident that's a trade that Michigan and probably ends up coming out on top on. So, um, I don't know. I mean, Madison was a good defensive coordinator, uh, when he was, you know, he kept those, a lot of those hoax teams in a lot of games that, you know, they just pooped their pants and couldn't win. But, um, no, I don't know. I, I just feel like if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm pretty underwhelmed because I'm I would be looking to surround Ryan Day with a ton of stud superstar coaches, and I don't. I like Greg Madison. I think he's a very good recruiter. I think he's a, a great man, and he has been loyal to Michigan. But I don't know if he's that for them. So um, it's kind of a yeah. It to me this reeks. There's some. There is definitely some sort of middle finger here, but at the same time, like. I'm gonna be honest with you. Like some managing editor of the website, if I got a pay raise to go like run the Ohio state site or the Michigan state site, <laughs> I'm leaving your asses behind like yesterday. So like, that's just kind of, and, and it's apples and oranges, obviously blogging and coaching, but just kind of the, the business work the, the, that they're in. So he got a better opportunity. We thought maybe he'd retire, uh, but he wants to keep going and, Uh, perhaps Michigan had planned on him retiring and had has plans for their other guys. So um, I don't know. I don't necessarily believe all of the reports out there. I think the truth, like I said, probably lies somewhere in the middle with all of it. But yeah, if I'm a player, I'm, I'm kind of upset right now. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, and I don't, I don't know if that carries into, you know, being fuel for next season or anything like that. Um, Certainly adds to the intrigue of the game next year. That's for sure. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just really – it's odd. It's very odd.
1: I I guess the w- one other thing I, I want to add is as far as the player's reaction, completely understand it. I completely understand them feeling betrayed. I, totally. But uh, as far as the Tariq Black tweet, and obviously I get what he's saying going with the Kevin Durant angle, but I, I just – I never viewed Greg Madison as that important. Like, he's just <laughs> – He's just another co- coach and an assembly line of coaches that Michigan can get. Say what you will about the program. They can essentially, not always, but especially it seems under this administration, they could kind of hire whoever they want. Like Madison wants to go, go. Like you're, you're going to compare him to Kevin Durant? He's not that important. If somebody asked me, rank like the, the three, four, five most important assistant coaches on Michigan's team, he'd be like number four. Like I, I I never saw him as, as uh, you know, some end all be all coach. And now he's gone and they'll replace him with somebody else.
3: Yeah. And I feel too, like at the end of the day, there's, I don't question there. Like this is opportunity. Like, I know there's reports that maybe Al Washington follows him to Ohio state, but like now there's an opportunity to get younger there with him. Um, You know, at some point I, I, I truly feel like at some point, whether it's, if the reports are true that Don Brown factored into this decision that him and Harbaugh said that they weren't going to renew the contract. Well, that kind of tells me he's not going anywhere, but at the same time, I feel like at some point, Chris Partridge is going to end up being the defensive coordinator of this, of this team at some point. Uh, I don't know if it's, I don't think it'll be next year, but maybe the year after the year after that, like I don't them keeping him away from Alabama, whatever it was last year was, uh, that certainly had to come with some sort of promise for down the line. Um, I, Madison's hire to Harbaugh's staff it, it was important because I, I thought it gave them some good continuity yeah. uh, from a nice little transition from the Hoke the Hoke era to the Harbaugh era. But like like I said, I mean it's not they're gonna be okay. I think they'll be fine in all this. Now, what I would worry about now, and not maybe it's not a worry, but you know, some of the their better players on the defensive line over the last few years, the Chase Winifiches of the world, the Maurice Hursts of the world, um, maybe down the line near the Michael Dwumfors of the world, those were guys that were getting coached by Greg Madison. And and that's um, you know, his fingerprints are all over the careers of guys like that. Uh, the Chris Wormleys of the world, the Willie Henry's of the world. So, you know. I'm interested in seeing where they go from there, but that's also just college football. Your five stars aren't always going to five star and your three stars sometimes end up playing like your five stars were expected to. So um, at the end of the day, like I'm I'm not all that worried about this. Like it's salt in the wound because uh, first of all, I make like, Ohio state is hiring a guy to coordinate their defense. That was a part of a Michigan defense that gave almost gave up 70. So like I said, Ohio <laughs> state fans aren't happy. Ohio uh, Michigan fans are kind of like, Michigan fans are pissed off and feel like he's a traitor, but um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going all in with the, you know, he's a Judas and all that. Like <laughs> this is a business. like knock that shit off. Like that's just childish to me.
2: Well, let me ask you this. If Al Washington does stay at Michigan, uh, is he pretty much a given to be defensive line coach moving forward?
3: I would say so. Like he's, he's to me, like, like that's the first thing I thought of is that he's kind of in line for a A promotion here so um now if he leaves then yeah you got a couple more spots to fill but um like i said i'm pretty confident that they'll go out and they'll find guys i mean um i can't i will not question jim harbaugh's ability to hire assistants uh on the defensive side of the ball offensive side of the ball that's another question like still waiting for news on Pep Hamilton I was I was just going to
2: say I'm I'm waiting you know there was the the report or whatever you know the the speculation that uh Don Brown and Jim Harbaugh decided not to renew uh Greg Madison's contract I, I was waiting I'm waiting to hear that they did not renew Pep's contract even if he's still under contract I don't care
3: like uh, you, know, well, you know he's I I believe he's the highest paid quote unquote offensive coordinator in the country Wow uh, my god wow I thought I heard that somewhere I should know more than Ugh. that being Um. Yeah, that's that's gross. Uh, if he's not the highest, he's he's up there. So, um, yeah, I don't. uh, (laughs) Well,
2: I'll I'll tell you one thing. If uh if that bowl game was any indication, this this offense is just never going to change. I mean, the amount of three tight end personnel was enough to make me want to throw up on December twenty
3: seventh. Well, and. Go ahead, Chris. I'm okay. still disgusted over that, but we haven't heard from you in a while. So,
1: well, I just don't worry because I'm gonna bring. I want to bring that up, and this is the one thing about the bowl game for some reason. Because look, I openly admit I don't know as much about football as you guys. Like, I I don't have my 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 ear to the ground the way that you guys do. Uh, but every game, especially after every loss. I feel like in, in all these Michigan losses, there's one or two moments that stand out to me as as a turning point in the game. And to me, the, the in the Ohio State game, it was the first drive in the second half for Michigan. This sounds insane, but hypothetically, if Michigan would have gone down the field and scored on the first drive of the second half, they would have had the lead in that game. Would they have won? No, of course not. But I, it would have... Made a big difference in the game. I the final drive of the first half against Florida. Oh God! You're down three, and I'm especially in college sports. I'm a big believer that if you go into halftime with the lead, it 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 makes a huge difference. Especially if if there's a turn, a big change at the end of the half, you go from being down to being ahead. I think that that is a huge swing in momentum and often carries over into the second half. They had three timeouts and two minutes left and about, and, and, the, and they were on what, the 40? And they played, dude, they played for a field goal. You have three timeouts and two minutes left. and you're pl- And the best you can do is you set up a backup kicker for a 48-yard field goal. They didn't even. They let the clock run. Used their second timeout, basically inexplicably, with 18 seconds left. Threw a bomb and then missed a field goal. And and this is, in fairness, this isn't just Harbaugh who 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 is like that. It seems like for some reason, all across America, people don't understand how to use a clock ever. But but that is absurd to me that they played so conservatively, so scared when they could have driven down the, driven down the field taken the lead I mean, I mean what game are we even playing at this point i mean that that was when i knew they were in trouble and guess what they got in the second half and they got their asses kicked they could have gone into the, into the second half with a lead and they played conservative and scared and left it up to a backup kicker to try to tie the game at a 48 yard field goal with with time running out in the second half when you still had a timeout in your pocket So I I need to go off on that. I feel like that had not been brought up enough. The absolute abysmal job that that coaching staff did handling the clock in those last two minutes of the first half, Uh, a a possession I think could have made a big difference in the game.
2: You know, this has been uh, quite a roller coaster of an offseason so far, hasn't it? We had obviously the bowl game and just a, a terrible performance. Chris pointed out probably the worst of the performance in, in the bowl game. you had Aubrey Solomon leaving. You had, a mm-hmm. uh, uh, the signing of a top 10 recruiting class. You had Dax Hill flipping back from Alabama, uh, Bama back to Michigan. And now you've got Greg Madison leaving for Ohio state. Like this has just been a completely roller coaster of an off season. And I, I don't know. It, it feels kind of weird for a coach who's entering his fifth season, right? Like you, you'd think you'd find a little more stability along the way. Right now, but this has been a lot of ups, a lot of downs. And I mean, it's only January right now. Like obviously a defensive line coach has to get hired here. Uh, there, there's a lot that can still happen in this offseason. This is, I'm going to get burnt out at
1: this point. Yeah. When your season, when your, well, seasons in three of Harbaugh's four years, he's lost the last two games. So when your season ends, uh the way that Michigan's have been over the last three years, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of tumult and a lot of turnover and a lot of instability. Uh, Cause people, you know, it, it, it doesn't even feel like Michigan won 10 games in a row at this, at, at a point this year. Like, oh, I just remember the Notre Dame game, the state game. And then the last two games. And that's, and Anthony's brought it up before that next year, next year, they have a one game schedule and that game is going to be played in November. And if recent history tells us anything, we know how that's going to end. So, uh, I think part of all the turnover too, and all the change and, uh, you know, all the news that's coming out, I think it's a sign that the program itself, or at least the people in charge are starting to feel, uh, a lot of heat, um, After, you know, people always ask the question, you know, at at this point in Harbaugh's tenure, did you expect no Big Ten titles? And after year two, you could say, no, I might not have. After year three, even, you could say, "Okay, well, I kind of thought we might get one, but I'm not shocked. Now it's at a point four years in, nobody. Even the most diehard Ohio State fan wouldn't have said, I don't think Harbaugh is going to win a Big Ten title after year four. And I think they're starting to feel a little bit of pressure. And they should. They've gagged, absolutely choked, in each of the last uh, three seasons at the end of the season. Well,
2: you know, when it comes down to it, uh, it, it's pretty much just been the fact that that Michigan went up against uh, probably a top five college football coach of all time you know when we look back at it that's that's going to be the story of the run in the first four years for Jim Harbaugh is that when it came down to it when Urban Meyer put his all into a game against Michigan like he did you know it's not like someone was catching him off guard like Iowa or Purdue maybe some games that they looked over when Urban Meyer put his all into preparing for a game and they uh, the reports are you know and he's admitted it that they prep a little bit they actually carve out practice time each and every practice to prepare for Michigan all season long like when it happens Urban Meyer was better than Jim Harbaugh I I think that's just going to be you know when you look back at it in history
3: prepare for what the fullback dive (laughs) on fourth and one like what are they doing to where like and that's why they kicked your ass because they were ready for that and here's the other thing like you know who's not like that's fine with Urban Meyer top five coach whatever you know who's not a top five coach of all time Dan Mullen, pulled your pants around your ankles. Thank you. You know who's not a top five coach of all time? Brian Kelly, pulled your pants around your ankles. You know who's not a po- top five coach of all time, but has popped you twice? Mark D'Antonio. Like,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, for, hey, uh, let's, uh, you, you know, know what? I'd kind of hold it on the Mark D'Antonio thing, though, because, I mean, a fluke, uh, we're a fluke punt away from being three and one against Michigan oh, State and That's Mark fine, but, that's they,
3: but they aren't, and that's fine. But Michigan Play like the best way I can. I can put it is for we for Jim Harbaugh, and I still think he's a good coach. But for a guy who we talk, you know, people talk so much about how he's such he's this great competitor, and it you know it burns him when he loses, and he just wants to win. He coaches so goddamn scared. Yeah, like he, he coaches the way that like he coaches the way like a team. You know, like teams like Indiana and some of these other teams in the Big Ten give Michigan State or Michigan or Ohio State problems but can never close the deal? It's because they coach conservative and they coach scared. Jim Harbaugh coaches just like that in big games. Oh, it's all fine and good when you can run for 400 yards against Minnesota or go for two against Rutgers and really rub their noses in it. But this team... Like, even with as big of a disaster as the Ohio state game was, and the Florida game was, they lost those games because they did not make adjustments. Don Brown's defense didn't make any adjustments. And I know oh. that they were without Rashawn Gary and, and Devin Bush. And that's, that's a big deal. And And those guys aren't vindicated from that, but I, I sort of give the defense a free pass to a certain extent for how that game went. Now it certainly spiraled out of control, which is unacceptable, but offensively, they didn't change their approach against Ohio state. Like I'm so tired of people say, Oh, you know, they went down to Ohio state and they put, uh, whatever it was 30, 38 points on the board. We, I've talked about this before. When the game was over, it was 41 to 12 or 41, 19. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, it's uh, one of those touchdowns that
1: from was handed to him.
3: Yeah. On a play that never happens to Ohio state. So it's like, what they're doing is like, I keep, there are some people on social media that are still like, Oh, well this, this, this will work. Uh, you know, the players just have to execute. It's like watch. And by the time this podcast comes out, you people will have watched Alabama Clemson. I want you to DV, like go back and watch the replay of that game and just watch what those teams to those two teams do. Now, can they play the power football? Yeah, it's, it's in their arsenal for sure. But, both of those coaches, Dabo Swinney, Nick Saban, have no shortage of things they could do offensively. They can they can throw the ball with a shotgun. They can throw it, um, you know. They can do the play action stuff. They can run the football when they want to. It's just like add something to your repertoire. We're not asking Michigan to become, you know, Cliff Cliff Kingsbury. We're not asking. Now it would be awesome if he did come to Michigan, but <laughs> we're not we're not asking them to throw the ball sixty times a game. When you have Donovan Peoples-Jones, Tariq Black, you have uh, Nico Collins, all three of those guys are going to play in the NFL. Maybe not first-rounders, maybe not even second- or third-rounders, but all three of those guys are NFL talents. And you throw the ball like 25 times a game, that is ludicrous. That is absolutely batshit crazy, especially when you have a quarterback in Shea Patterson who, listen, I don't – when you go back now and look at the preseason hype and then look at what his season actually was. Yeah. Michigan fans did what they do best. And they overhyped another highly regarded guy, but they just left so much potential on the table. Um, It's not even it's that. And the fact that they weren't aggressive at all the entire year that bothers me. And it won't like I have no reason to believe it will change moving forward.
1: No, it won't, and that's what scares me the most. And Luke, I'll let you talk in a second, but this is a point I've been wanting to bring up: is in today's day and age of football, the game is changing so rapidly, and I there is a part of me. And look, no, Harbaugh's not a bad coach, but I'm just talking about when we when we think of elite coaches, they have the ability to adapt the ability to adjust, the ability to change Alabama early on under Saban was a, a, offensively. They were average, right? And, and then all of a sudden they started to get your Amari Coopers in there, your AJ McCarrens, your Mark Ingrams. Uh, a, and they developed into an offensive juggernaut that still had a more than solid defense. That's what you do. You adapt, you change as a, you change as a coach when I watch Harbaugh, I wonder if we're just watching a coach where the game has kind of passed him by somehow. And it sounds so strange. It's not like the guy went a year or so without coaching. He went right from the NFL to Michigan, but it it just seems like, uh, he, he's, uh, in, in big games, like he's playing Atari and everyone else is playing PlayStation four.
3: Yeah. That's a very, that's an amazing comparison. It's like, like my uncle, like the, those guys grew up playing like Tecmo Bowl. If I was to hand him a controller now and have him like try playing Madden, his, his head would explode. Like it'd be, there'd just be blood and brain and bone all over the place. <laughs> like, um, here's the thing too. And I want to correct something I, earlier about Pep Hamilton. I said he made $2 million a year. Uh, that's wrong. I looked it up. Um, he signed a four-year deal that pays him $4.25 million total. So the last two years he's made one million and he's scheduled to make one million in twenty nineteen, another one point two five million in twenty twenty. So that's where they're at here. Uh I don't like that at all. But back to like I think Luke and I have talked about this before. I can't remember like the last few weeks are kind of fuzzy because we haven't all been here. So I don't remember who I've said what to. But Harbaugh, really early on in his time at Michigan, said that they aspire to be quote unquote, the NFL's 33rd team in terms of, I mean, that's a little ludicrous on the surface, but just in the terms of terms of the way they operate, the way that they prepare, the way that they scheme and things like that. If Jim Harbaugh watches really like this national title game tonight, Monday, whatever, whatever it is when you're listening and has watched the NFL all season long, like you knowing where the NFL is going and it's not like the Rams Rams uh, chiefs from earlier in the year. Like that's not, we've seen defense win plenty of games recently. So like, that's not where the league is going. Like the league is not going big 12 football, but when you look at types of quarterbacks that are succeeding and the offenses that they're succeeding in, like Michigan doesn't do any of that. So now if I'm Harbaugh, I need to, I want to recruit quarterbacks to come play here. I got I to gotta change my approach because you're not getting any quarterbacks to the league playing, you know, throwing, have them throw the ball 22, you go 15 for 22 for, you know, 147 yards and two touchdowns. Like that ain't going to fly. So I feel like they made necessary adjustments last offseason. Uh, some of them by necessity and some of them kind of fell in their lap, like the Drevno thing they really need to look themselves in the mirror and, and figure this out because I got news for you. Like we thought, but let's just say like, let's assume that Michigan, let's go back in time. They find a way to beat Ohio state. They win the big 10. They're in the college football playoff. They would have played one of the two teams that are on the field on Monday night. They would have got absolutely wrecked. Of course. So if you watch this, you watch the national title game watch what those two teams are doing because they're, they're unicorns right now. Nobody in college football is even nearly as close as to good as they are. So um, I know a lot of people are kind of down on that because we're tired of seeing Alabama and Clemson, but um, two best teams are playing every year. So it's
1: they're It's working. It's like at some point somebody needs to step up and beat them. Like, right. And people, people get all butthurt about, you know, oh, they should expand the playoff. First of all, they expand the playoff to eight teams, right? Michigan would have played Clemson. They would have gotten murdered. Second of all, that that you say, oh man, these these playoff games, they aren't close. They're all blowouts, yada yada. To me, that just says more about what Clemson and, and Alabama are than it does about what the other teams aren't. Like if let, let hypothetically, let's say Michigan would have beaten Ohio State, won the Big Ten title game, got into the playoff, and gotten killed. I'd have been fine with that. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, yeah. Look, you you want to win national championships, but that would have been a hell of a season. I don't expect them to be Alabama. Alabama, like you said, they are a unicorn. We are in the, or even Clemson. If if Alabama didn't exist, Clemson would be in the middle of the greatest dynasty in the history of college football. But Alabama does exist, and so Alabama is the greatest dynasty in the history of college football. But I I, I what I think their measuring stick is and should be is be, be, try to be at what Ohio State is. And they're, as evidenced by their game this year, not even close to that level.
3: No, because when push comes to shove, and sorry, Luke, I, I, this is it for me for a bit. When push comes to shove, Ohio State still recruits better than them. And, mm-hmm. and really a big part of, outside of not being able to make adjustments in that game, Ohio State was able to win that game because they just flat out out-athleted Michigan. Yep. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. Well, the good news is is that Michigan, as we've mentioned many times on
2: the site, it's a basketball school because the, Wolver- <laughs> the Wolverines, 15-0, and number two in the country right now. And, and you know, it's funny because we, we talked about this, uh, all this non-adjusting from Jim Harbaugh in the coaching staff, and we, ha- we saw Beeline come out with a quote. Was it last week, something like that? He was like, the game's always changing. He's like, damn computers have ruined everything. But he's had to adapt his entire kind of philosophy. The offense is generally still the same, but obviously bringing in uh, Luke Jokic and everything has really kind of transformed this program. Beal's recruiting at a good enough level that he has sustained a championship program. And it's really nice to see the fact that he's adjusted. And now we're seeing a team that has played four top 25 teams and beaten each of them by double digits here this year. I mean... You know, it's kind of nice. I was thinking about this. You know, yesterday was when I was watching that Indiana game. Michigan football it, it keeps you entertained up until the Ohio State game, and then you get upset about it. But that's in the right in the wheelhouse of Michigan basketball starting up. And if if they can continue to be great, you know, uh, we're we're gonna get at least a little something uh, to be happy about as we had in November, December, January, March, or February in March. But this this basketball team, man, fun to watch. Jordan Pool yesterday. Oh my god. So
1: much fun to watch. Is there any way Jordan Poole doesn't go pro?
3: Plays like this? Like, let me tell you, like, I've been to, I think maybe, I think I've covered four of the basketball games this year. I was at the North Carolina game. I was at the game on Sunday. There were a lot of NBA scouts at both of those games. Um, And let me tell you, like, (laughs) those guys... the the NBA type guys like showed out in both of those games. Now I know Iggy was a little quiet uh, on Sunday, but yeah, they're, they're not guys like Jordan Poole are not going to go unnoticed. Like even Charles Matthews, like I know he was kind of been in the draft mix the last few years, but like that dude at times just has another gear and it's, it's special as all hell to watch. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't, those, those guys are, this is a special group. Like I know all year we were kind of like, Oh, this feels different with Michigan football and things like that. But this team and job Beline said it in his post game presser after the game on Sunday, like there's a, like it's a no maintenance team. Like they just, they come every day. They don't look at stat. I mean, they don't look at the, you know, the rankings. They don't look at the record or anything like that. They come work every day and, and they've got the, just, they got like the perfect balance of leadership, talent, young players who are are growing and their stars are pointing upward. Um, It's a special group. And like, I know I've said this before. Like, I feel like if Michigan gets up by like double digits in a game, I'm pretty confident that like, yeah, a team might claw back, but Michigan's going to get enough stops to like, they're going to, they're just going to keep choking teams out. So um, right now I feel like they're, they're kind of, it's, it's kind of them in Michigan state and, then probably Ohio State and everyone else in the Big Ten, but man, like I, I watch this team, and, and mind you, I haven't watched a super like a ton of other teams play. I've seen Duke play a few times. Haven't really seen much of Tennessee, Virginia. We know what they're going to wind up being like. I feel good about this group, guys. Like I, I, I just, it's special. These the, the personality, the the coaching, it it's all there
2: up until uh, Zion just dunks on the entire team and we're very sad for another year.
3: (laughs) You know what though? Like, here's the thing too, is that, and I'm not like, I feel like if Michigan and Duke played, Duke would probably win. Um, I don't know if it would be a blowout, but um, I think Michigan would be much better equipped to take on a team like that. As opposed to last year when we saw it happen when they played Villanova, but outside of like, like Duke is a, Duke has their star freshmen, and they're gonna carry them all year long, but they've got a couple star players, but Michigan's got like a legitimate team if if one of those freshmen has an off night like i like what if Zion no shows and and what's the rest of that team gonna do? like are they good enough? We'll see what happens about that, but this Michigan team like Iggy bradsdegas on any other team probably is number one or number two player like. He was almost a non factor against Indiana. And and you had Charles Matthews, Jordan Poole, Xavier Simpson has like mastered the baby hook out of nowhere. Like you have all these guys where it's just if one guy's up or one guy's up, a couple of guys are down, but you got enough guys that are up and playing well that they're in really good shape moving forward. So I mean it's like wh- where's the weakness there? I mean, I know a lot of people say maybe free throw shooting, but Everyone in college basketball sucks I, at shooting. For I, offense, think, for I think. I think outside
2: shooting is a bit of a concern right now yeah. as well.
3: Yeah i i would I would agree with that. Like it's not their most explosive offensive team in that regard. Now, when they get hot, they get really damn hot. Texas A&M like, last year. Gets, yeah, so we we've seen them get very cold too. But um, I feel like they'll improve there, though. I, I feel like everything that. I don't know. I don't think the defense can really get much better. I mean, I know there's probably technical stuff that they see on film that they're going to try and improve on, but um, I just feel like offensively we've seen a couple big, huge games out of them so far, but I feel like it's still not a finished product and that they're sitting here at 15 and Oh, and God, you look at the schedule and and, you know, when, when's the first time they could maybe lose a game like they're, they're really good shape right now.
1: Okay. Uh, well, I'll say this. Well, another thing. Uh look out for Brandon Johns. Yes. yes. Michigan Beeline has this ability with his freshmen where sometimes he doesn't unleash them until uh middle the middle of the season. It was like that a bit with Zach Irvin, where Zach Irvin, his freshman year, didn't really ba- like barely played the first 10, 15 games and then all of a sudden kind of just would come off the bench and just make every three possible. Uh, even in their bad years, there was here Aubrey doc. Daw- uh, what is that? His name? Yeah. Aubrey Dawkins was like that where he kind of came out of nowhere and, uh, you know, had a really good second half for them. Um,
3: Mitch McGarry, like in the tournament. Mitch McGarry
1: and uh, another really good example. Yeah. So, and Johns was excellent yesterday, eight and eight, you know, and really the first major exposure he'd gotten all year. Um, so that's a major positive a lot to a lot to like in this team obviously but um I don't know maybe maybe I'm just in a bad mood or something but i I'm gonna be honest and I tweeted I've tweeted a lot of controversial stuff recently for some reason I haven't meant to uh I don't and one of them was kind of like this and, and that's I don't l- love or have the confidence in this team that a lot of other people do. And, and it's there's a couple of reasons. Okay. One, I don't think the Big Ten is as good as people make it out to be at all. I think there's two really good teams in the Big Ten. Everyone else is wildly mediocre. Like how Iowa is ranked makes no sense to me. How Nebraska's ranked makes no sense to me. Wisconsin has one good player. Indiana's missing two of their best players. I don't think this conference is nearly as good as people are giving it credit for. So that's one. Two, as good as Michigan was in the first half yesterday, I don't think they've played a complete 40 minute game of basketball in about a month. And that was probably against Purdue. Another really overrated team in the big Ten.
3: Well, To be fair about that too, like for almost the entire month of December, they were playing once every seven or eight days.
1: The scheduling became a joke, but they were going up against teams that they were favored by 30 against and winning by like 10. Uh, A lot of that because they were missing a lot of their shots. Um, And the other reason is I, and oh geez. All right, here we go. Hot take Castellani here, but I don't think they're playing the best basketball of, in the Big Ten right now. I watched a lot of the, of the Michigan State-Ohio State game on Saturday. Michigan State looks really good. And Michigan State looks really hungry. And that aspect, just as far as winning the Big Ten, that scares me a bit. I think, and, and as far as where Michigan's ranked, look, based on who they've beaten, absolutely. They should be number two in the country. But I just, I think back to six years ago when they reached number one with Burke and Hardaway and Stauskas and that, you know, my my favorite uh, sports team of all time, the 2013 uh, Michigan Wolverines basketball team. Uh, When that team reached number one, they were, they, it felt like the only choice. It felt like that was, they were steamrolling opponents They were playing 40-minute basketball on both ends. They looked incredible. This is, I don't, there's something about this team where I can't, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's me. Maybe it's I don't want to commit to it and get hurt (laughs) because I've seen this, we've seen this happen so many times, man. And college basketball is the most cruel sport there is. Because you can have the you can have the best season in the history of your school, and if you if you if you gag once, your season immediately becomes forgettable. And I'm I I worry about that with this team offensively. I worry that they could have a day where uh they don't show up offensively. Now, it, unlike a lot of other Beeline teams. Is this team capable of winning a game ugly? Yeah, they did in the tournament a couple times this year or last year. They can definitely this year. They did against Northwestern, uh, and I'm you know I'm sure there's and yesterday even in the second half against Indiana was kind of ugly, um, but that I, I think offensively there's issues with this team that I don't think people are ignoring, but I don't, I don't think people are making a big enough issue out of. I think the only consistent offensive player they've had in the last month has been Jordan Poole.
2: Well, here's here's the thing about this team, though, is that they're better offensively than they were a year ago uh, per Ken Palm, and, and pretty much right there, uh, pretty much the same as they were defensively, currently sitting at number 4. They were as high as number 1 in adjusted defense. But this is a Michigan team that's 15-0, and, and only two of their victories were by single digits. Like, right. it, it, at, at some point, you know, like, well, I get it. You don't want to be hurt, but, man, just enjoy the ride, you know?
1: I'm I, look. I, I'm trying. Look, it's it, a, a lot of it is is up here. A lot of it is just the Chris Castellani psyche. But you are right, and, and I don't look. And if you're somebody who who's, I, I'm loving this. Like, dude, they smashed Indiana yesterday. It was glorious. The game, that game was over in, ten minutes into the game. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I don't, I I really don't. A lot of people think that I do. I don't like being the negative voice. Uh, but I, I I think that this is a great team. I think that they have potential to be, uh, the greatest team that beelines had, but, um, there, there's just so much basketball left to be played. And and I almost get this mentality of, are they, are they really this good? Like, are, are they really, uh, this dominant and I'm just I'm I'm questioning that a little bit
3: yeah I thought Beeline made a good point I think it was after I feel like it was after the Penn State game where he said it where you know people that aren't you know they're not a team that's going to blow people out by 30 and and I think that's a lot of that might pay, maybe play out into why you're a little bit skeptical uh, because what they do is like you know they get they get a four-point lead and then it doubles to an eight-point lead a couple minutes later and it just kind of snowballs from there Um, so maybe like we're used to seeing them have a little bit more quick strike ability, which they, they certainly do have, um, you know, I won't, won't argue that at all, but, um, that, that that might be a part of it. I guess the reason I'm so confident is that like, like I said before, like, yeah. The guy. Not everyone has been consistent offensively, but on the nights where a guy like Charles Matthews doesn't play well, then that's where you see Brad Dacus go off for twenty, or the opposite, or you know Jordan Poole has an off night, and then you get, you know, you get big night out of Matthews or Xavier Simpson or something like that. So that's why I feel pretty good about them. And the other thing is that it's like it's the defense. Like I, I feel like when they're able to lock lock you down, like when they get like when they get up by 10 or 12 points i like it i don't see teams i don't see teams able to really come back from that and, and there's going to be times where it, it does happen um that's just basketball but um it's not like i'm not going to sit here and say that they're going all the way to, to minneapolis and they're going to play in the national title say it anthony like you say said, it come on i want to say it i want to say it because i'd love to go like I, i'm still looking at going because i've never been to a final four and it's in my mother's side of the family's home state. So I'd love an excuse to get back out there. But like at the same time, all it takes is, you know, what if, what if you get into a game, like a game against Houston last year and Jordan Poole doesn't make that shot at the end, your season's over. I get exactly. that. Um, But that's why I think we can only really like basketball is a game of runs. You, you can really only go by a sample size and what you've seen. And, and like Luke said, I think they've only had a couple of games where, they lost or they won by single digits for the most part. It's been, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 point wins, things like that. Um, I, I said this the other day, I feel like a lot of people were kind of down on Michigan after December, but it's just so hard to, to play one game a week in basketball and get on a roll. Like I I felt like once they start playing every three, four, sometimes five days, they're going to be in much better shape. And we saw a little bit of rust uh, early on against Penn State. But then, um, you know, you come back out, you're able to get a double-digit win. You come out against Indiana, and, you know, the first few minutes it was kind of back and forth. But uh I think Michigan only trailed – or the game was only tied, I'm sorry, for 18 seconds the entire game. It was it was a wire-to-wire win that somehow didn't feel – it felt like it's closer than it, it could have been. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's – in those games where you feel like they may, maybe should have won by 30, a lot of times they're only winning by 16 or 17 because they're just not the team that go, that, you know, where a lot of teams will, will get hot and then bury you and win by 30, whereas Michigan kind of gets that big lead and um, then they do cool down a little bit offensively. But that that defense is, is able to choke you out. And like I said, I don't, I feel like at this point, under under John line, I don't think we've seen a team at this point in a season, even in that 2013 or the 2012 2013 season. Yeah, they were very good. They had whatever it was, four or five NBA guys come off of that team, but they were never this good defensively. And it, this is you true. Know, it always felt like if they had a bad night shooting, they're screwed. But whereas this team, if they have a bad night shooting, I feel pretty good about them. And I feel like it's a it's a business like group that. It's going to keep going about their business and then they're not going to go undefeated. Like them going undefeated is extremely unlikely. It's only ever happened a couple of times uh, ever in college basketball, I think, at least in the modern era. So when you look at what they're doing and what their potential is like, yeah, I'm, I wrote it, maybe this is overstating it, but early, earlier on Monday, I wrote that right now, Michigan basketball is Thanos and they've got all six infinity stones, which is to me is the ingredients to go out and and do some damage not necessarily not saying they're going to, but everything's there for them and, and I like where they're at right now.
2: I think that the uh, the brightest spot for Michigan or the the reason to be most optimistic is the fact that when the lights have been brightest this year, Michigan has really come out and really performed well Villanova, North Carolina, Purdue, Indiana uh, when the lights are brightest, Michigan is ready to shine. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. It's going to be a lot of fun. They've got a tough stretch stretch coming up after their next couple of games, starting with Wisconsin, um, after they take on Illinois and Northwestern at home. But then they got Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, Ohio State. It's going to be a tough four-game stretch, and then you got to go to Iowa. So it's going to be a fun rest of the year. Uh, to, to watch out for. We'll talk about them more as we, uh, as we continue throughout the season. But before we wrap up here, any final thoughts on, on anything you guys wanted to mention that you didn't get a chance to hear today?
3: Um, Bohemian Rhapsody winning the golden globe for best like drama is an absolute fucking disgrace.
1: Yeah. that It's a, it's a joke. Now I'll say this, the one silver lining, I think in this, because usually for at least recent history, it seems like the movie that wins the Golden Globe for Best Drama hasn't won Best Picture. It's been a long time since the movie's won.
3: The Hollywood and Press is like, weirdly, try to be edgy, but really looks stupid. And that's right. why the Globes are not taken seriously.
1: Right. Which is why I think there's going to be such an outcry of people who are pissed off that A Star Is Born didn't get what it deserved that it's going to like clean up at the Oscars. And it wouldn't... It's just... It's so weird because for the longest time, I didn't want to be that guy because, dude, I, I know a lot of people who really love Bohemian Rhapsody. And if you did, fine. You're welcome to enjoy it. Go ahead. I don't care. But for some reason, and I don't know what it is, maybe it's my love of film, I get really, really butthurt over award shows. Like, I get really, really angry about this stuff for some reason. I get really angry when people, when people don't see art for what it is. I, and is if you're just a casual person who likes, who likes Bohemian Rhapsody, fine, go ahead. But like, these are supposed to be like professional people who watch movies for a living. And if really, honestly, and truly, I, I would like to sit down with even just one of these people and just be like, what, what elements of Bohemian Rhapsody were better than a star is born. Or even some of the other films nominated. I, I point to A Star is Born because that was the best movie I saw this year. It's one of the best movies I've seen this decade. And, and But e- even some of the other movies that were nominated that I haven't seen. What makes Bohemian Rhapsody different than really any other paint-by-numbers biopic that's come out ever?
3: Nothing. Um,
1: exactly.
3: <laughs> like, this is... I... I know we're trying to wrap up the show and we got a guy that's sick here kind of trying to get us out of here. I know I'm sorry, man, but he had to use the platform to go here. Like this was to me, I, I stay woke. I think it was bought and paid for. Um, yeah. Queen has a tour. They're touring again with Adam Lambert, which go look at the set list for those shows. It's the biggest paint by the numbers queen show. that could possibly be like, yeah, if you love uh, queen's greatest hits album, you're going to love that tour. But um, the only difference between Brian May and like Gene Simmons is that like one dude doesn't go up on stage and wear face paint. Like Brian, Brian May and Roger Taylor are like a slightly classier version of Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. So um that's all like, I I was pretty, I don't have an issue with like Robbie Mallett getting, getting the award. He did like whatever. That's fine. You did a good job. Like that's really him, his performance and, some of the concert recreations are kind of the only reason to see the movie. But other than that, like just, just go to the, I'm not going to turn this into a segment, but just go to the Wikipedia page and look at like the historical inaccuracy stuff. I've, I've already talked about that here. Uh, I was just like, I was just taken aback. Like the globe, like I said, the golden globes are the award show that people care the least about. The celebrities that are there don't even care about it. They're just there to get bombed. Um, so, yeah, I, I was just really caught off guard by that because like the critics did. It's not like the critics loved the movie. It was only a 60 exactly. tomatoes. So um, really strange. Uh, had to soapbox on that really quick. But other than that, I have no other thoughts uh, other than since football season ended. I've been doing a lot of chores around the house and also listening to like a lot of doom metal. So that's kind of where we're at right now.
2: Well, alrighty then. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch the Golden Globe, so uh, yeah. I just let you guys go off there. I also haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody or Star is Born, so that's, uh, that's where we're at right now.
3: Hey, you asked, hey man, you you asked for yeah. final thoughts. You <laughs> got your final thoughts.
2: Alrighty, Chris, where can we find you on social media, man?
1: All right, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Castellani twenty fourteen. That's at C A S T E L L A N I two O. One, four. I'm on Instagram as well. That's Chris Castle95. That's C H R I S C A S T L E 95. I'm also on YouTube as well. The link to my YouTube page is in my Twitter bio. Uh it is uh YouTube.com slash uh well, you know what, never mind. You can find the link. I'm not gonna give out the whole thing. It's in the bio on my Twitter. You can check that out. Uh hope to see you in my feed and uh would appreciate a follow. Anthony
3: follow me on Twitter at Anthony T broom, uh, NFL seasons now over. So probably, uh, let's not kid ourselves. You're going to get a lot of wild stuff on my Twitter feed. Anyways, I'm never pigeonholed into anything. So Anthony T broom, follow the website at Anthony or at Jesus, follow the website at maize brew. I got my own brand on my brain today. Apparently, um, follow the show on Twitter at brewcast show. And, um, yeah, follow iTunes, Google play, uh, Spotify, all that fun stuff. That's where we're at. So, uh, again, thanks for your support, and hopefully uh, you'll, you'll stick with us. Ho- hoping for some diff- do some different things here in the new year. You
2: can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Go shoot me a follow. Going to have a lot of great discussions during Michigan basketball games for the rest of the year and meltdowns with uh, coaching staff changes with Michigan football. But uh, it's been a fun show here, boys, for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom. I am Luke Giardi. It's been a fun one. Make sure you subscribe and review the podcast as well. And we'll see you next week on Brewcast.